is Pastor Greg Winchlag of Abundant Life Church in Cupertino, California, and this is Life 66. Today in episode two, I want to talk to you about five steps to effective prayer. Five steps to effective prayer. Jesus taught us how to pray in Matthew chapter 6, verse 9 to 13. The disciples asked him, Lord, how do we pray? And he said this in the Lord's Prayer. You may have it memorized yourself. He said, this is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Locked away in this prayer are five steps to effective prayer. And I'm going to give you that pattern in just a minute. But before we do, we got to develop a plan. If you're going to pray effectively, it, it makes a difference to plan. If your prayer life is random, you're never going to get to praying. I know that full well. I, I cannot have a plan and the distractions come in, the phone rings, the, the computer uh, gives me a, a, a note that I, I've got to answer some email. Um, somebody comes in and starts to talk to me. Just You're going to get distracted. No matter what's going to happen, you will get distracted. So you've got to have a plan. So first, let me help you develop that plan, and then we'll look at the five-step pattern that Jesus gave us to pray. First of all, when developing the plan, when are you going to pray? Now, there's no real biblical command when you're supposed to pray. Jesus got up early in the morning to pray. Jesus went out night at night and prayed. Jesus prayed during the day. He prayed at all times. So there's no real pattern when you should pray. My practice is to give God my best time. So what's your best time? For me, my best time's in the morning. It's before I've you know done anything really dumb and messed up. It's before I've you know run into any pressure situations. I get up in the morning and I get myself ready and I sit down and I begin to talk to God and read my Bible. And that's my best time. A lot of people think they can't afford uh, you know, to give their best time to God. And I'm going to tell you, you can't, you cannot afford, uh, or you can't not afford to give God your best time. He is the king of the universe. He's the sovereign Lord. If you're going to go through things in your life, you need his guidance. You need to know what he wants to tell you. So you've got to make sure that you give God your best time. I know for my wife, if I just give her all my garbage time, when I'm exhausted or I'm distracted or I'm busy doing something else, she's not going to be happy. We're going to have a tough time in our relationship. Well, God wants our best time. So when are you going to pray? Give him your best time. For me, it's the morning. First thing I do when I get up, I'm not tired usually. I get to bed on time the night before, so I'm not really exhausted. Uh, you know, try to get a solid eight hours of sleep, and then I get up and I start my day with God. Well, where are you going to pray? Well, wherever you want, really, whatever's comfortable, but make sure it's not a place that's going to be conducive to getting distracted. Like, you know, avoid your bed. When you're in bed, you're going to sleep. So make sure you, you know, don't pray in a place where, um, where you're going to get distracted. You know, avoid a place uh, where there's, you know, the phone interruptions or computer interruptions or uh, you know, anything like that. Just avoid the distractions and interruptions. So find a good place. Somebody, some people like to go out and wander in nature or just, you know, walk around the block. Um, you know, I go to the church where I pastor. It's only a mile from the house and I drive down there and I, 
meet with some other people and, uh, and we chat a little bit and then we separate and we pray. We get quiet before the Lord. And it's a really good time for me to, to focus and start the day. So that's what I do. And I think it's important to, to make sure that you, you find that place that's conducive. Uh, next one is how long should you pray? Well, again, there's no biblical uh, duration that you have to obey. Um, but my practice is pray until you know you've heard from God. Sometimes I'll read two or three verses, verses out of the Bible and they just speak to me. Sometimes I read two or three chapters. I could bow and pray and start to hear from the Lord right away. Sometimes it takes a little longer. But I pray and read until I know I've heard from God. And then I can go into my day with something substantial, something that's, you know, that sticks to me, that I can really live with all that day long. So another part of your plan is prepare to listen to God. This is not a one-way conversation. It's two ways. God wants to talk to you as much as I hope you want to talk to him. And if, if I just come home and, and just talk at my wife, just talk at her, talk at her, talk at her, and there's no back and forth, we don't really have a relationship. So it needs to be both talking and listening. And that's a hard thing for a lot of people. How do you hear God's voice? How do you listen to him? And I'm going to cover that in the a, in a next few episodes on this podcast. Um, but develop the practice of at least admitting to yourself that God will talk to you. Expect him to talk to you. Be ready for him to talk to you. When you take that mindset, I think you'll find uh, you'll even surprise yourself when you start to hear God's voice uh, inside of your heart and inside of your mind. And a lot of people ask, well, what does his voice sound like? You know, I've never heard God's voice audible, so I don't know truly, but here's what I do know. Whenever, when I have heard from God, his voice sounds like my own voice inside my mind or inside my heart. Now, of course, I need to discern if that voice is my voice or God's voice, and that's all a part of, uh, you know, learning, you know, God's voice. His word says in, in John 10, 10, my sheep know, my, or in John 10, my sheep know my voice. So you learn how to discern someone's voice by talking to them and by hearing their voice. When my wife calls on the phone, I don't have to ask, who is this? I know her voice because we've been together for almost 40 years. So it's that practice of hearing his voice. So learn how to listen. Another part of your planning is read the Bible along with your prayer. That if you want to hear God's voice, the Bible is God talking to you. So as you read, you can hear him, you know, talking to you. Maybe not in your in your head or your heart, but you can read the words and know by faith that he's talking to you. And learn then how to pray, because you certainly don't pray something that's contrary to God's word. But as you read along, as you pray you start to get an understanding of how to hear his voice and the kind of things that God says. And then finally, on the planning part, um, don't compartmentalize. And what I mean by that is we'll pray in the morning or whenever you pray, and for me it's in the morning, and then it's easy for me to close my Bible, say amen, and get on with my day and forget all about what I just prayed. But I can tell myself, well, you had your prayer time, you spent your time with God, even though the rest of the day may not have had anything to do with God. So you really don't want to compartmentalize your prayer time from the rest of your life. That The Bible says to pray without ceasing. And how do you do that? Well, you keep God on your mind all day. You can think about Him and be talking to Him while you're driving, while you're in the store, while you're running errands, at work, whatever you're doing. Have God on your mind and be thankful and, and just talk to Him throughout the day. 
uh, oftentimes I'll find myself in a grocery store line and maybe someone I'm uh, near is having a hard time. I can tell maybe a mom with a the unruly child, and I'll just just throw up a little quickie prayer, ask God to bless her and touch this this little one. Um, yeah, I got to be honest, I haven't really quite got that discipline on the freeway sometimes, and somebody does something wrong, and I really don't feel like asking God to bless them, but um, you get what I'm trying to say, that just be in an attitude of being with God, He's with you all the time. So once you've kind of got that planning part uh, dealt with, Let's look at the patterns of prayer. In the Lord's Prayer, there's a five-part pattern. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. That's kind of the King James. Other versions are more simple. Our Father in heaven, holy be your name. Uh, He's holy. He's God. So you want to start out with adoration. Start out praising God. Honor Him for who He is. When you adore God right at the beginning of your prayer, it puts you in the right attitude, in the right mindset to finish your prayer time, and it puts you in the right mindset for the rest of the day. When you start thinking about how awesome God is, he is responsible for keeping the stars hung in the sky. He's responsible for the sun being our great light. He's responsible for this earth we sit on spinning on its axis and and keeping us by its gravitational pull stuck to it as it revolves around the sun. He's responsible for all that. He holds all things together. We can adore that God and, and, and recognize who he is. When you start to open your mind and recognize who God is, you pray differently. You're not praying to somebody. You're not praying to Santa Claus who just is going to give you whatever you want. You're not praying to um, you know, a genie in a bottle who's just there to answer all of your needs. You're praying to God. And he's a personal God, and he wants to know you. So start out adoring God. The second part of the prayer says this, Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. When you've adored God and you've acknowledged how great and how awesome he is, there's really only one appropriate next step, and that's to submit to him. He's God, you're not God. You acknowledge him as Lord, you acknowledge his will is greater than your will, it's better than your will, You want his will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. God's the authority in heaven. I want God to be the authority in my life here on earth. And so you pray then submissively. You begin to submit yourself to his wants, to his will, to his desires. And this is the example that Jesus gave in the Garden of Gethsemane when he was praying right before he uh, was arrested and sent to the cross. He prayed three times, Father, I don't want to go to the cross. His flesh was saying that, his humanity. And he said, if it's your will, don't let this happen. But not my will, but yours be done. That's the prayer of submission. He knew who the Father was. He knew how awesome the Father was. And he submitted his will to him. Even before he he went into the, the actual physical action, he submitted in his heart and he submitted in his mind. So start with adoring God. That puts you in the right attitude to submit to God. Then, number three, you can ask for what you need. Jesus said, pray this way, give us today our daily bread and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Those are requests and those are good requests. You can ask God for things. We need to ask God with a lot more boldness than we really ask him normally. Philippians 4, 6 says, with thanksgiving, make your requests known to God. James 4, 2 says, you have not because you ask not. 
we just don't ask, I don't think, as boldly as we should. We need to be a lot more aggressive with God, and not in a, in a kind of a rude or selfish way, but knowing that he wants you to make your requests known to him. So if he's telling us to ask him for things, why wouldn't we ask him? Why wouldn't we come boldly and bring our request to him? Whether it's a request for um, maybe a, a, a job decision or a moving decision or Maybe you're in financial difficulty or you need healing or your relationship is in trouble or your kids are in trouble. Whatever it is, bring them to God boldly. Billy Graham said this, heaven is full of answers to prayers for which no one has ever bothered to ask. I don't want to leave any prayers on the table. I want to have asked God everything that I can ask. And some people think, well, you know, God's busy, isn't he? He's big and he only deals with the big stuff, not the trivial stuff. Well, that's not true. See, I'm a father and a grandfather, and when my grandson now wants to talk to me, even though he can't really even put together full sentences, and he asks me for something, I'm all ears. I want to know what he needs, and I want to know what he's asking. And to him, it might be something small, like he wants a sip of water, or he wants me to read him a book. You know, nothing that's really going to change life. But to him, it matters. Because it matters to him, it matters to me. God is the same way. He's our Father. So you can ask Him for things. Be bold when you ask. Be faith-filled when you ask. Know that He wants you to ask. And so you can go to Him in confidence. Now, if the request is wrong, that he'll, he'll let you know that. He'll say no to that, or you'll find it not coming to pass. And in a couple of episodes, I'll be talking about the kind of prayers that God answers and the kind of prayers that God doesn't answer. So number one, adore God. That puts you in the right attitude and mindset to submit to him. When you submit to him, your will to his will, then you can ask appropriate requests, requests that are according to his will and not selfish requests. After that, step number four is confession. Jesus said, pray this way, forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Here's what I know about confession. I can just lump all my sins together and believe me, there's a ton of them. And I can say, God, forgive me, and then move on with my day. And I really even haven't addressed my own repentance. So it's important to be specific when you confess. If you had some kind of lustful thought, confess it. If you've had an angry thought or an angry word at someone, or you've just done something you know is sinful, confess it specifically, and then make the determination not to do it again. It's one thing to say you want to be forgiven. It's another thing to live your life like you want to be forgiven. And so we can't just say, oh, God, forgive me, and then go on and still do the same things over and over and over. Now, God will still forgive you over and over and over, but it's our hard attitude of wanting to leave the life of sin and not go back there again. He also says that we have to forgive our debtors as well. Not only the sins that we've committed that we want forgiveness for, but we have to forgive the people that have sinned against us. In the very next verses after the Lord's Prayer, Jesus said, and by the way, if you ask for forgiveness, but you don't forgive someone who sinned against you, I'm not going to forgive your sins. The reason is, is because we're asking for forgiveness without an understanding of what grace and mercy is. If we want forgiveness, we have to forgive others. When we forgive others, we then come to God with an understanding of what he forgave us from. And we can go to him with a lot more honesty, a lot more 
um, just pure heartedness in our, in our prayer. And be confident of this. When you confess, 1 John 1, 9 says that he is faithful and he will forgive you of everything that you confess. Psalm 103, 12 says, as far as the east is from the west, so your sin is removed from you. That's a long way. East from west, never touch. And God forgives your sin that much. Last, after you've adored God, that sets you up for, to submit to him, which allows you to make requests, which puts you in the right mindset to confess. Finish your prayer with thanksgiving. Your kingdom come, or rather, yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. You're acknowledging God and you're giving him thanks. First Thessalonians 5.18 says, give thanks always. So when we end our prayer, end with thanksgiving. Thank him for hearing you. Thank him for forgiving you. Thank him for helping you to stay out of tempting situations. Thank him for giving you the strength to forgive somebody. Thank him for all things. You can thank him for answered prayer. You can thank him for being uh, in your presence and that you're in his presence. You can thank him for the people in your life. Thank him for your material blessings. You can even thank him for hard times. Just because they're hard doesn't mean they're bad. And even if they are tough ones, God is working even there. So thank him. So the five steps to really effective prayer, according to what Jesus said how we ought to pray, is start out adoring him. Submit to him. You can ask him for things, confession, and then thanksgiving. And remember, all of that has to be in, in, in the context of a plan. Make sure you have a plan. When you're going to pray, where you're going to pray, how long you're going to pray, um, uh, if, that you're going to listen to God, you're going to read the word, and that you're not going to compartmentalize your prayer. And you'll find yourself praying with a lot more effectiveness. A couple, one, one last thing I want to tell you is that it's really good to keep a prayer journal. I've kept these for years. I'm not a journaler that writes down all the, you know, this is the way I felt today, and this is what this person said to me, and I felt, you know, I'm, I'm not, I just don't do that. That's not my way of journaling. But I do journal what I've learned from God. And I journal my prayer life, and I journal uh, what I've learned out of God's Word. So my journals are filled with things I've learned from Scripture, and there's lots of lists there of things I've prayed for, and, and in the next column over is the answers I've received from God. And it's awesome to see in, in, in paper and ink the answers from God as they came and when they came. And sometimes they came quickly, sometimes they took quite a while for God to answer, but as I was persistent then God did answer those prayers. And so it gives me a, a log of God's faithfulness. So I really, really suggest that you get a, a journal and make it your prayer journal and your Bible reading journal and write all these things down so you have a log of, of what God has done. God is awesome. He has given us his word. It's 66 books. And that's why we call this podcast Life 66 because those 66 books will guide you into all things. They'll guide your life road trip. They'll guide you every step and every turn. And the, the most powerful thing you can do is learn what the Bible says about prayer. And uh, you'll find your life changing and you'll find your prayer life being much more effective. I'm glad you listened today. This is Pastor Greg. We'll talk to you next time.